welcome to the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. Hi, hi. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm excited that Thanksgiving is over, not because I dread Thanksgiving, but because it means we're in the middle of the holiday season. And if there's anything that I love, it is the holiday season. I, I'm, I always tell people I'm like Elf, the movie Elf, Will Ferrell's character Elf. He's raised at the North Pole um, as the only human at the North Pole. And he finds out he's human and he goes to New York to find his dad. And he's completely and totally overjoyed and ecstatic and in awe of everything that he sees. And because I was so sheltered for so long and I love people and then I was obese and like hidden inside of my fat shell for so long. Now, as an adult, I'm just, I'm just loving the world. And so I have an elf-like response to so many things. I'm in awe of and in just adore all kinds of things that most people find rote. So I love Elf. I love the movie Elf. I love Christmas. I love all these things. And so here we are. It's the holiday season. It's so exciting. The tree went up before before Thanksgiving. Last year I put up a little tabletop tree and I kept it up I think until February or March because I loved it and it wasn't taking up any space and because I didn't get any really good ornaments for it until New Year's. And so then I couldn't put it away until I had really enjoyed it. Um, And this year, Roy is here and Roy also loves Christmas. And Roy is a decorator. Um, He's got decorating talents. And so we got a a pre-lit seven-foot tree, um, had it delivered. It came while we were in Greece. And we got it, got it, and it's a pre-lit tree with multicolored lights. And I don't know if I meant to do that or not, but we both agreed that that we did not want that that we... Uh, I can't talk. We both agreed that we wanted white lights. And so we just bought a bunch of white lights and put it on top of the color lights and didn't plug the tree in, but we plugged the white lights in. And the result is it's more lights than tree. But we went to the Dollar Tree and got lots of um, ornaments. I don't know if they still have them, but you guys, if you haven't decorated your tree yet, go to the Dollar Tree because they have so much great stuff for a dollar. I know it's shocking, but they had... They had everything that we needed, basically. I wanted lots of pink and gold and silver and white balls for the tree. And then we got some, like, uh, tinsely stuff. It was amazing. And so Roy and I put the tree up. Gus was very confused that there were all these balls um, that were being hung up on a tree in our house, and he couldn't have them. He was very curious about the whole thing. But surprisingly, he didn't, he didn't like, pee on the tree. He didn't try to knock the tree over. He did take a couple ornaments off, but we caught him and, and took them from him. So now he knows those are no-nos. And um, anyway, the tree is up and uh, it's so pretty. There's one rule in my house with the tree. It's that the lights always stay on day and night. The, the tree is on until basically till it dies. So it's it just makes me so happy. So the ornaments that I got last year at New Year's, I had complained to Linda, my friend here in the building, that I couldn't find any good Christmas ornaments at Target. I was shocked because I don't understand. In Minnesota, Target is like seven aisles of Christmas. Like Christmas threw up in there. And here I went to the Target and there was nothing. And so I didn't really have any ornaments. And she, being the sweet, thoughtful person she is, when she was in New York for Christmas, she went and purchased a collection of the most beautiful glass 
ornaments for me. She got me a nutcracker that's wearing pink pants, the most beautiful sparkly donut with pink icing, a shark because we live at the beach, and then this really pretty peace sign. And so I was so excited to pull those out and put those on the tree again. And then um, I had a few other ornaments that I'd collected. My very first ornament, my very first gift here when I moved here in 2020 at boot camp, Javier's wife sent a flamingo, a fluffy pink flamingo ornament with a Christmas hat on it. It was, it meant so much to me and it still does. So the tree has been trimmed and um, I have these really great Santa pant looking workout leggings that I wore. I want me to put the trip. So, um, Thanksgiving was amazing. My sister is engaged to Matt, Matt, Matthew Bernier. Um, we knew him when we were little. So it's so crazy how things can come full circle. So we were raised in, in this little church. I call it cult church makes my mom mad every time she hears it, but it is what it is. So anyway, in cult church, there was this family, the Bernier family, and um, I was pretty little, and so I never really understood any of the dynamics at the time, but they were in the church, and then they were gone, and there was four kids, and Matthew Bernier, the youngest, was close to my age. I think he is my age, and I just remember that he was very naughty. Like, Matthew Bernier was always naughty. Like, he was always getting into trouble, and um, anyway, they left the church, and um, some scandal, of course, some kind of, you know, excommunication. I don't know. But they were related to other people in the church. So I kind of always knew a little bit about their family growing up. Well, my um, my parents ended up being really close friends with the mom. They they came, she came back to our church when all the kids were grown. And she was remarried to Glenn. And Joyce and Glenn were really good friends of my mom and dad. My dad and Glenn went to races. Um, they love funny car races and stock car races and all kinds of guy stuff. And so um, my parents and Glenn and Joyce were good friends. And um, my sister would go down to Florida to see my parents when they go down to Florida and also see Glenn and Joyce. Well, um, last year, Glenn passed away and um, very sad. He's such an awesome guy. And... Um, my my parents and my sister spent a little bit more time with Joyce down in Florida. And then my sister started to do bookkeeping for Matt. Matt had, you know, grown up, gotten married, had some kids, got divorced, started a business, needed a bookkeeper. So my sister was doing his books. Well, last winter, when I saw my whole family down here in Florida on the Gulf side, I saw Matt um, and Joyce. They were with our family at... Um, at lunch. I hadn't seen Matt since I was little. I was like, oh my gosh, I remember you. And I remember you went, like I went to his high school, open house, but I noticed that he was not interested in talking to many people at the table. He wasn't rude, but he was very intent on everything that my sister said. And then my niece, Sam was there and he was very interested in getting to know her. And I thought, well, that's interesting. He must be really good friends with my sister. And as that weekend progressed, um, and we would go to dinner and see them throughout the weekend. Every time my sister spoke at the table of, you know, 10 of us loud people, she had Matt's full attention. I thought, he likes her. So I pulled my sister in the bathroom like, hey, he likes you. She's like, no, he wants like a hot, he wants like a hot young girlfriend. I'm like, well, he maybe wants a hot young girlfriend. And I think you're the hot young girlfriend he wants. And she poo-pooed it. No. Well, sure enough. 
he liked her. He liked her so much. Anyway, so they started dating and they are engaged and it's so awesome. He is just spectacular. He's got these two kids that are spectacular. And um, we got to spend Thanksgiving with all of them over on the Gulf side of the state with, um, with Joyce. And it's just fun. I've known Joyce since I was little. There's a picture of Matt and Rachel and I at my fourth or fifth birthday party. Um, it just It's hysterical that we go all that way back. And then here they are getting married. So um, I got to see her ring in person. And we got to have a um, big Thanksgiving meal at Joyce's house and take the kids shopping and go to the beach. And it was so much fun. And I just continue to bask in the fact that I have my sister in my life. It makes me so happy. I miss her so much. And she's amazing. And I'm just, it's like getting reacquainted with her again and being reminded of all of the amazing qualities that she has. She's funny. She's sweet. She's principled. Um... And then Matt is, they're just such good compliments for each other. It's so wonderful to see her being loved on and appreciated and to see her all schmoopy. <laughs> so, so that was Thanksgiving. We were over there, uh, for, we were gone like 48 hours and then back to, uh, back to the beach, back to beach workouts and beach boot camp and all of the things. So it was a great Thanksgiving, um, great reminder of um, all the things that we obviously have to be grateful for. So many things. 2023 can be totally different. It can be your year. New year, new you. We say it every year, it's a lovely cliche, but this coming year, it can be the case for you. I'm so excited I'm launching a new program. I have some clients that have been with me for a long time and guess what? They are getting results. They are dialed in every single day they show up in their life and it's been a whole year and they are making those changes that they wanted at the beginning of the year, and they're still working on it. How is that possible? Well, my program is an entire year. We go through the seasons of your life and adjust everything to what your life is. The first part of the year is yes, it's a let's tighten down the hatches. Let's get some momentum. Let's change our routine. Let's add some workouts. Let's pull some unhealthy foods and habits out. Let's get those new things rolling. And then once those are established, instead of losing momentum, let's look at what's working. Let's see what we want to keep and let's tweak again for the next three months of the year. It gets busy in April, May, and June. We've got graduations, open houses, vacations, kids getting out of school. We need a plan that's different than the one that we started January 1st. And then when summer hits, it gets different again. Life gets busy. It gets really hot outside. You either start to want to work out outside or you want to come inside if it's too hot. You need a different plan for the summer. Then the kids go back to school. It becomes fall. Your body changes. The cycle of life changes. Clocks get set back. You need a plan to adjust for you then too. Then we have the holidays. We have parties. We have all of these things. Guess what? During every season of your year, you can have a plan in place that you follow that keeps you moving to the direction that you want to reach your goals. That's what I do. This upcoming year, I'm not taking every client that comes to me. I'm going to be very selective. I only want to work with people who want to commit to a lifetime, lifelong change starting in 2023 with a full year program. I offer you a workout plan 
You don't have to work out with me, but if you want to, I will give you a workout plan that I craft just for you. Or if you have a gym that you like, I'm going to tell you how often you should go, what you should couple with it, and what kind of nutrition plan is going to support that movement. I'm also going to give you a nutrition plan based on your height, weight, activity, your age. Ladies, our bodies metabolize fat and work with our hormones differently depending on how old we are. You need a nutrition plan that supports that. I get to do all of that for you, plus mindset training, teaching you how to identify with your power, who are you, what's your track record for success, why is this day, not this whole year, why is this day that you're in that you're struggling going to be the day that you overcome that temptation this time so that next time it's not a factor for you. That's what I offer. If you're interested in learning about this and applying to work with me, I would love, love, love a chance to talk to you. Find out if you are going to be able to be somebody that I coach for the entire year of 2023. And you're probably thinking, well, I'll have to mortgage my house. This sounds very expensive. It's not very expensive. Yes, it's an investment in your health, but it's not very expensive. You can afford it. You can invest in yourself and know that at this time next year, you will have reached the goal that you set for yourself for the upcoming year. There's not going to be a question. It's not going to be, I'm going to try. You're going to get there and I'm going to get you there and I'm super excited. So if you're interested in talking to me and finding out if we're a good fit to work together, send me a message. You can message me on Instagram, the Kristen experience, send me a DM, or you can email me Kristen at kristensmithonline.com. So I'm going to talk about a topic today that I've, I talk about food a lot here and dieting and weight loss and all of those things. And I've talked, I've been very honest about my weight loss journey and how I lost a lot of weight, how I found food freedom, um, you know, built a food plan, talking about the lizard brain and food rolls. Um, and then I've done bodybuilding and I've talked a lot about prep diet and the pendulum of restrictive dieting coming to an end and then um, really struggling to find a balance. I've been very honest here with everything that I have gone through in the past few years with my relationship with myself and my habits with food. I used to say um, peace with food and my relationship with food. And I've recently come to understand that that is actually an inaccurate statement, that those things don't exist for me. Um, When I say I want peace with food, what I really am saying is I want peace with myself. Um, When I say I have an unhealthy relationship with food, um, actually, I have an unhealthy relationship with myself. That has become true for me, or I've realized that that is actually the truth of my statements. Um, I started this fall on 75 Hard in the middle of September, and I decided that the first part of 75 Hard, I was going to do the carnivore diet because I had picked up a lot of habits eating things that weren't really food, a lot of diet culture food, a lot of prep diet shortcuts, a lot of artificial sweeteners, a lot of diet products, and I wanted to clean out my diet and heal my gut because I feel like there was some signs of some inflammation, some bloating, some things that were happening that were definitely related to things I was eating. So I went on the carnivore diet, which basically means I was eating meat, meat, meat and eggs. I was eating eggs as well as meat. So true carnivore is just basically meat, but I was eating meat and eggs. And, um, I experimented with a few different things as well. I, I tried, um, nuts in there as well as part of it because I I didn't feel like I needed to go completely carnivore. I wasn't having sensitivities to nuts. But in the end, I ended up trying to be as pure as I could with just eating meat and eggs. And what happened is 
um, I started to eat a lot more food. Instead of counting calories and measuring things, I allowed myself to just eat until I was hungry, eat whenever I was hungry, and really kind of try to stop dieting for a while. Had a lot of diet fatigue. I've had a lot of diet fatigue. I feel like with bodybuilder prep, I've been on a diet for a couple of years, really, really vigilantly bringing my body fat really, really low, recovering from a show, bringing my body fat really low again. So I wanted to not diet. And so the first portion of 75 Hard, I did that. And then I transitioned into just basically not eating any sugars or junk food, but eating the things that sounded good to me. So, you know, eating things I wanted to eat, going back to grains and breads and any kind of meat that I wanted and just not dieting. But um, that was kind of my main goal on 75 Hard was to not diet, to not let myself get to a point where I wanted to sign up for a show and go back to hyper restriction to really let myself take a break from trying to lose weight and trying to micromanage everything. Um, let my hormones come back into balance, let my body come back into balance, let my um, natural hunger hormones come back into play. Just stop dieting, a diet break. And so I was prepared to gain some weight and that was fine. I don't know if anybody else has done 75 hard knowing that they were going to gain weight. Andy Forsella would probably say that, oh, you're not really doing it. He'd probably yell at me and I don't really care. Um, this was kind of my my attempt to get back to some routine and some discipline with 75 hard, but also to stop dieting and to try to repair some of those um, crutches. So um, as a result... Um, I really lost some of my footing with my discipline with my eating and have really struggled to find um, a balance again of of food rules that work for me um, because it's it's really been hard to know what was lizard brain and what was me, what was like just my old habits and my fear of losing control and losing my shredded bodybuilder look. And um, so I've really struggled and I found that my my authenticity, my accountability, my honesty with myself with food was starting to slip and I was just getting really, really exhausted thinking about it. And um, I had this really crazy experience the other night. I had a dream. (laughs) I had a dream where I myself kind of was talking to me, almost like I was lecturing myself. And I just in my brain said, you are like an alcoholic in active addiction. You are... um, and I had these like flashbacks of seeing my ex-husband when he was in active, when he was actively using alcohol, when he was um, act in the throes of active addiction. And I realized that there was some similarities to my behavior. And I woke up going, oh my gosh, it's so true. I've always identified as a binge eater and as a food addict, but it was like this giant realization. And it was happened when I was sleeping. It was like my subconscious, the real me, like was was calling out to to me saying, look at yourself, look at what you are doing. You are, you were like an alcoholic in active addiction. You were foodaholic in active addiction. And so I have really, uh, took a look at my behavior and yes, I was completely and totally behaving like a drug addict with food. And so, um, I went online and I looked up information on alcoholism and I found a lot of these websites that have, um, Q&A, if you answer these questions, depending on your score, you may be an alcoholic or signs of alcoholism. And I adapted them to food. And I came up with a list of 10 questions for myself um, to kind of assess, am I a food addict? 
And this actually has turned into a really great tool. I've been using this with some of my clients. I use this in my group call, um, my the Christian Experience membership uh, last night. And it's really, really eye-opening to go through these questions. So I'm going to do it here on the podcast. I've got 10 questions. And so basically I ask the question or I say the statement. And then you, as you listen, you rank the truth of my statement that I'm going to say to you. Um, scale of one to five. One being you don't agree at all doesn't sound like you. Five being uh, ding, ding, ding. That is 100% true for me. And based on your score, we'll kind of tell you the level of food act that you are. So it's kind of fun to do a quiz, but also it's a kind of a good reality check. So these are questions that I had to answer and come up with my own accountability mirror, stare myself in the face and be honest with myself answers. So number one, Basically, scale of one to 10, one being not true, five being 100% me. Number one, eating is my favorite thing to do. So give yourself a score. Uh, For me, that's a five. I would rather eat than do just about anything. I love to eat. Number two, when I'm full, I want to keep eating anyway. Um, Depending on how full I am, yes, I would love to keep eating. So for me, that's a four. Number three, I think about or look forward to my next meal long before I get to eat it. For me, that's most definitely a four. Um, I'm very excited when I realize that I'm close to time to eat. I think about what I'm going to eat at the next meal all the time. Question or statement number four, I choose social options based on the food available. Um, This one, not so much for me anymore as far as I don't choose to go to things because of the food. But I avoid things because of the food. So for me, I'm going to say a five because food impacts my decision to participate or not participate in things. I don't like to go to things if there's going to be food there that I can't have or that will throw me off my goals because I'm so uncomfortable being around it. Now, I don't know if that's a bad thing or not, but I have to be honest. Um, It used to be where I would only go if I knew there was going to be good food. So maybe I've overcorrected there. You answer that one however you feel. Uh, Number five, I find it really hard to go to a party and not overeat. For me, that's a five. I have a really hard time stopping eating at a party. I always have to have a strategy. Number six, I find it hard to go to family functions and not overeat. Um, Why is family function listed differently than party? Because family often brings a different dynamic than any other party. So you may be able to control yourself at a party or a sporting event, but when you're around your family, it's completely different. Sometimes you either eat the whole time or sometimes people have a hard time eating at all. So you answer that however you feel. For me, it's a five. I have a really hard time not to uh, overeat at a family function. Number seven, I often eat out of boredom or distraction or just because I can see food. That is me as well. That's a five for me. Um, Hunger doesn't always drive my decision to eat. Um, In fact, it's rarely the thing that drives my decision to eat. Number eight, I am unable to sit and watch TV without eating. Um, Yes, I have a hard time sitting doing anything without eating. For me, that's a five. Number nine, I eat when I'm not hungry. Again, that's a little bit redundant from the other question, but um, yeah, I rarely, used to rarely be hungry. Right now, I'm making sure that I'm hungry before I eat a meal, but for the most part, um, 
I just eat because I want to, not because I'm actually hungry. Number 10, I eat in secret. For me, that is a five as well. So for those 10 questions, if you had five on all of them, that's that's a score of 50. I had a 48. So if your answers are 40 or above, essentially, if you were to use the alcoholism determination factors, you'd be a foodaholic. Definitely have an addiction to food that would require um, addressing or addressing it would increase the quality of your life and improve your relationship with yourself. Um, A lot of people score 30 to 40. Um, I would say pay attention to which ones of these behaviors really were a five for you. Because we can find that we have certain behaviors here that we can put a fence around. But the bottom line, if you find out you do this quiz and you go, wow, okay, yes, I have a problem. I'm addicted to food. Well, if you were diagnosed or if you were self-identifying as an alcoholic and you were to go to AA, the first thing that they would have you do is acknowledge the problem. Say, I'm an alcoholic. Now, I don't have a problem with that. I'm perfectly fine saying I am a food addict and I'm a binge eater. But the second step in AA typically or any 12-step program is to to say you must admit that you are powerless. Um, That is where I diverge. I am not powerless. You are not powerless. We are powerful beings. Absolutely, you are not a pathetic little weak human with no power to control the fact that you love food and that food has such a big stake in your life. I don't care what it is. Now, I know with alcohol and drugs, there is an addictive um, quality. There's a a chemical, um, there's a a chemical situation in your brain, brain chemistry. There we go. Um, Things are physically addictive. So what I'm talking about with food here, I am not saying is the true true for alcoholism or drug addiction. But with food, absolutely no one is going to come Take food and shove it down your throat. Food is not going to jump into your mouth. And if you're eating the right foods, they are not chemically addictive to you. You are powerful. I am powerful. I do not have to let food control me and you do not have to let food control you. I can control food. In fact, either I control food or food controls me. So number one, identify. I'm a food addict. Number two, I am powerful. I can and I will take control over my behaviors with food. How am I going to do that? Well, there are lots of different ways. And we talk about those here on the podcast, lots of different strategies. You have to find a way, a strategy that works for you. Number one is to find joy in things other than eating. I find that my favorite thing to do is eat. So if I'm not going to be eating all day, I have to find joy in other things. Now that can be difficult. When I had first had weight loss surgery and I couldn't eat, it was really difficult for, for me to enjoy my days. I had a hard time finding fun things to do because I just wanted to eat. And when I get into this place, like I have been in the last couple of months, um, where food is just way, way too important to me and I'm spending too much time doing it and thinking about it, I lose some of the joy in my other activities. So I must find joy in things other than eating again. So um, one of the strategies for doing that would be the other day I started once in a while. Um, I recommend this often for a lot of people that that um, want to try this strategy, but timed eating to say, okay, I'm only going to eat at certain times. And if it's not that time, I'm not eating. Therefore, I will be doing other things and I can choose to do things I enjoy or not. But uh, meal times are going to be at a set time. So to put a boundary there so that I must start getting back in the habit of finding other things to do. Now, a lot of this is just habit-based. 
I just developed some really bad habits of eating more often, eating in different quantities, eating in settings and in situations I don't need to be. So part of it is just breaking the habit, breaking the mental groove, changing when I go in the kitchen instead of like, what will I eat? Now it's, I go in the kitchen, well, what time is it? Is it time to eat? No, it's not. Or I don't need to be in here. It's not a meal time. It's changing the, the mental cue. It's changing the automatic behavior between what my brain sees and then what my brain thinks is coming next. So I'm powerful to overcome. I can find joy in other things outside of food. One of those strategies can be that I eat at a certain schedule. One of those other strategies is that I never eat unless I feel physical hunger pains. That is a great way to reconnect your body and your behaviors to say, all right, well, it may be quote unquote breakfast time. Everyone else is eating breakfast, but am I hungry? Because if I am not hungry, it's not time for me to eat. Um, that can be a really great way to just get back in the habit of listening to the body instead of habitually grabbing food. Because food is pleasure, but we get to decide when and how. When and how much, where and how much, the end. We are either in control or we are not. And it's really, really miserable to put your head on the pillow at night and realize another day has gone by where food has had power instead of us having the power. So um, it's really it's really good to look at, okay, where am I just mindlessly grabbing food? What events, what parts of my life are, are the issue? Like, is it too many social obligations? If you have a hard time controlling yourself or enjoying social obligations without food, there's a lot of strategies that you can employ. You can make a rule so, okay, when I go to a social event, the only thing I'm eating is protein. So that if it's like, well, I go because I really want, you know, the popcorn, movies. I love to go to the movies. Why? Because I love popcorn. When I stopped eating popcorn at movies, I realized I didn't actually like movies. I just don't. If I go to the movies, I want popcorn. It's like this deep groove. I don't like movies enough to just go sit and watch a movie. Once in a while, there'll be a movie that's so interesting to me. I don't care what I'm doing. I want to go see it and I don't have to have anything else to make it enjoyable. That's a good key, a telltale sign for me. That is a movie that I want to see. But if I'm like, sure, I'll go to that movie and then I think, ooh, I can have popcorn, then it'll be fun. Mm, That's an indication that the real reason that I want to go is the food. So to really identify where these um, situations are happening in your life where food is too important. If you go, it's the holiday season, seeing family, it can be a really big emotional trigger. Is it hard to control yourself around your family? It's not uncommon. In fact, it's very common. We have roles that we fall into when we're around family and especially with holidays. Oh, there's the annual pie that Aunt Donna makes. Oh, there's the the bread rolls that my mom makes. Oh, there's the bars and cookies and cakes that are always there. I always eat them. I never say no. I never have before. Um... When we sit down, I get uncomfortable with conversation. So instead of eating and sitting there and participating, I eat to distract myself. Those might be things that you have done for years and years and years. And so it's about breaking that pattern to say, I'm going to see my family. What are some strategies that I can employ so food does not take over? So I don't leave there saying, wow, I totally medicated with food or I distracted myself with food. Or maybe it's a good thing is everybody's having so much fun. I celebrated with too much food. If you see your family once a year, it's not as big of a deal. It's once a year. But if you see your family often and it continues to be an issue and it's common, 
then it can really cause a problem for your health goals, for your weight loss goals. So um, strategies you can employ there. You can bring the food. You can bring something that you can eat that is good to mindlessly eat. Bring a veggie tray. Put it in front of you. All right? If I'm going to mindlessly eat while I'm chomping away here at the table with my family, it's going to be raw vegetables. So if I'm mindlessly eating and I lose my, my thought pattern and I'm just stuffing stuff in my face to cope with stress, it's going to be celery sticks. I mean, things like that can really help. Um, at Christmas, my mom makes tons of bars and cookies and puts them out and it's so much fun and so beautiful. And I want to have them. And so my rule is I can have them the last half an hour that I'm there. So I don't have to think, oh, I can't have them. But I also don't arrive at 10 a.m. and start in on the cookie pile and eat them for 12 hours. That's a strategy to keep me from overindulging but so that I can have them. Um, if you find that you think about your next meal and you look forward to your next meal right, right after your current meal is done, another strategy you can um, implement to fight this one would be to pre-log your food. So if you like to think about what you're going to eat all day, that's great. When you wake up in the morning or before you go to bed at night, plan out all your meals. Log them in your MyFitnessPal. So you can say, all right, I know what I'm eating. And as soon as I'm done with the meal, I don't have to think about and Google over, ooh, what am I going to have next? It's already decided. And when that time comes, I will enjoy that meal. I don't need to think about it. It's not here yet. It's already decided. That's a really good strategy. Lots of people like to pre-log their food because it works. Um, if you find that you eat in secret, this is a tough one because I find that I eat in secret. There's no need to. Nobody cares what I eat. Nobody's watching me. Um, but I haven't really figured out all those psychological reasons why I do it. Um, it's a very, it's a very deep groove. And I know that it goes back to childhood when I used to sneak food into my room and eat late at night. I used to make sandwiches and I'd eat them in bed after everyone else went to sleep. And it was like my happy fun time. It was my time of escape. It was my time to have some pleasure in my day when I didn't feel like I had any pleasure in my life. When I was lonely, when I was a little kid and I didn't have anybody to play with and I just wanted a friend. I found it in the form of stacks of bologna sandwiches in my bed at night. And so when I'm feeling stressed or tired, I find that sneaking food, even if it's healthy food, makes me feel this little rebellious surge of joy, like, ha, ah, I'm taking this pleasure. Like I'm busy and I'm stressed and everything is hard and this, I'm going to take this pleasure. And so it's not a healthy behavior and I don't fully understand it. But the lovely thing is I don't have to fully understand it in order to stop it, to put a rule there to say, I'm not allowed to eat in the car. I'm not allowed to eat unless I'm in public. I'm not allowed to eat alone. Something like that. Because I don't have to understand it to stop it. We're always just one decision away from making the right decision to take back the power. Um, it's tough because if you are an alcoholic, you can quit alcohol to cold turkey, right? You can walk away from it, keep it completely out of your life. But if you're addicted to food, the problem is, is you have to eat. Food has to be a part of your life. You can't give it up cold turkey. And so finding a balance, finding a meal plan, finding a solution and a strategy that works for you is important in order for it to have the proper place in your life. Um, the lovely thing about all of this is we can change. We don't have to stay the same, not even for one more decision, not one more meal, not one more day. Do we have to stay the same? We can decide and say, listen, I don't want 
this relationship with myself anymore. I want to feel in control. I want to feel empowered. I want to feel authentic. I want to be proud of the decisions that I make. And I don't want to feel like I have given my power over to inanimate objects like food. So I am powerful. Why am I powerful? I'm going to remind myself of all the big powerful things that I've done to prove to myself, to remind myself how strong I am, how capable I am to take control of this one decision, of this one meal, of this one day. It doesn't have to be the same for one more day. You don't have to understand why a house is on fire to put the fire out. When you when your house catches fire and you call the fire department, they come and put water on it. Then they ask questions. You don't have to understand it to stop it. So just remember that. So if you find that you uh, can self-identify as a food addict, there is hope for you. You are powerful. You are capable. There's a strategy that you can employ for every place that you find that you take a back seat to the food. You can take the front seat, the driver's seat again. Period. It's possible. 100% it's possible. I've lost over 250 pounds. And do I have it all figured out all the time? No. I fall down. I get into these bad patterns sometimes. And I fight my way back to a healthy place over and over again. And if you want to reach your your goals, lose the weight, get into a healthy weight um, and get there, you will stay there and you will continue to have to balance, rebalance, regroup, assess, adjust for the rest of your life. Nobody loses weight, hits a number on a scale and stays there perfectly the rest of their life. You may go up and down 10 pounds, five pounds. You may find that you're overeating for a period, undereating for a period. Um, It's never going to be a completely done, it's all figured out situation. You're dynamic. Life is different. Situations are dynamic. You can work really, really hard and get to your weight loss goal. And you can slow down, you can eat a little more, you can hone your habits and feel really good that you've reached your goal. But you will always have to work to maintain. You will always have to be a vigilant person with your food choices, with your movement. You will always have to invest time and energy into making sure that your relationship with yourself is healthy and that food is in its proper place, which is an object that we use to nourish ourselves, that is pleasurable to eat and that serves a purpose, and that we use, and that we have dominion over. That is the goal, and that is possible for each and every one of us. I'm so grateful it's possible for me, and that I'm able to to stop, regroup, and take the reins back. So I'm currently back to looking at food as the object that it is, acknowledging that I have become um, a victim of my own complacency, That's really what it is. My own complacency. Food never had power over me. I gave it power. I was having fun with it. I was stuck in habits and unwilling to really take a look at it. And now, luckily, in this really interesting little come to meeting with myself, just really had to face, okay, this is the behavior and this is not okay. This is not healthy and this is not getting me where I want to go. And luckily, we get to have a day one as many times as we need until we die. So I had another day one and I'm feeling really, really good. And tomorrow I may feel really, really not great. And I know to stop, call it what it is, remind myself that I'm powerful, put up some boundaries, put up um, some good strategies just to get through the next meal and the next day and be back into that habit 
of prioritizing me, making good choices for me, controlling the food for my peace with me. That is all possible for me every single day. And as they say in recovery, one day at a time. And with this journey, one meal at a time, one food choice at a time, one decision at a time, period. I'm powerful. You are powerful. You can win. You can take control. And you can live in active recovery from food addiction. It's possible. We are powerful. Remember that. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. If you want to interact with me, go ahead and send me an email, Kristen at kristensmithonline.com. Follow me on Instagram, The Kristen Experience, and make sure you share this podcast with a friend. That's all I have for you today. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next time here on Destination Begin.